You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and the A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. I know, Michael, the podcast is the same time every night. I, I get it. I get it. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay, hang on one second. I think I have it laying right here. Oh, it's right here in this pile of bills. Um, Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. We frequently ask ourselves, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? But we think it's clear that the real question, what the heck is a woodchuck? And more importantly, do they know any good taco places around here? Welcome back to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. As always, I'm Michael Lawrence. Man, I'm glad to be back this week. We got Chris Leonard and Kyle Turnside in the house. What's going on, hey, fellas? Hey, how's it going? Hanging out. So I, I have to say, you know, as far as I can remember, um, Chris is probably more excited about this week's episode than he has been in quite a long time. He's been sending us texts all week, <laughs> and he's like, man, I'm just really looking forward to this. So uh I am not a sports person. I feel like a big idiot right now, so I'm going to kind of just lean back and let it go. But first, I just want to shout out to um, – I have two shout outs I want to do. First of all, to all my mentees, man. They are all just kicking it off, and they're landing great jobs, and they're moving forward in their careers, and I'm, I feel like a proud dad. So uh, really, really Aww. happy to see people kind of you know following their passion and, and just remind everyone you do have our mentorship program. So reach out to us. Um, I've heard about also, that thing. Check this t-shirt out. I went to go see Leo Mix Lawrence nice. over the weekend. Nice. Um, and man, what an awesome show. It's been such a long time since I just went to a show to just enjoy it and had a great time and, and wasn't worried about trying to fix something or, or mix anything. And, and uh, you can't I tell I just, me that you didn't talk shit about something. Come on. I, now. I talked zero shit, man. I had a I had an absolute blast and uh, and I was chatting with the band and I was chatting with Leo and we had a great time. So I want to thank Leo for having me out. It was, it was awesome. All right. That's it for me. Uh, Chris Leonard, man, this is your show. Why don't you kick it off, dude? Yeah, oh, well, real quick, actually, though, uh, we do want to mention the Sound Girls Virtual Conference, December 4th yep. and 5th. Yep. Um, we'll, I'll drop a link in, in the description and our, our Facebook and Discord, all that stuff. Um, there are some special discount links if you need it and or uh, assistance, but uh, two packed days of panels. Uh, I know I'm on two panels. Michael's on a panel or two. There's, there's a lot going on, so that's going to be it's going to be a good time. So make sure you make sure you check that out. But yeah, so today, um, since we're in the I middle, I feel like of- I should do a shout out, Chris. I feel oh, like I should do at least one shout out. Shout, shout it out. out. Go for it. Shout it out. I'd like to shout it out to to the man upstairs for keeping me safe this week. I like to <laughs> shout it out to um sports because I like them. And I want to shout out to my friend Chris and Michael for joining us on the podcast again this week. I like to shout, shout out, out to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, St. Louis, what home of football. A, yeah. a that soccer. comes and goes and comes and goes. Yeah, comes and You're goes. You're doing a little uh little mixing for live stream, Kyle. Oh yeah, I did that. Yeah, you should talk about that a little bit too. Live stream, yeah. Oh, just did a little church show. It was actually really cool. So, um, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I've been working with a lot of um, missionary Baptists and Baptist churches around city of St. Louis and outlying areas. And now I'm starting to get to know all the players. And I walk into this venue the other night, and the dude who's the MD is actually 
the brother of the B3 player I was telling you who would like sit there and play bass and do everything while he's scrolling Instagram, like chewing gum. <laughs> that was his brother. And the Bishop of Friendly Tempo, that's his other brother. That's his older brother. So, and it was fun, man. I had a really good time. It's such good people. Like, um, I, I mixed straight off the left, right. And I listened to it on the way home and it was garbage. So, um, if you want to hey. listen to it, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I was mixing for the room. Had you had a good time. The same room. I had a great time, man. It, they, they sang some old songs, like super old songs. And it was a privilege to be a part of it. 175 year anniversary of first Baptist of Chesterfield. You can go watch it on their Facebook page. Shout out to first Baptist of Chesterfield for having me out. It was fun. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Chris, kick it off, man. Who's our guest? Yeah, so this week, uh, uh, very exciting. So, you know, I had... I, See? I had, Well, <laughs> it's you. exciting for me. I don't give a F what anyone else thinks. It's exciting for me. So, you know, I mean, I happen to be a football fan, unlike uh, Michael, and I'm sitting there, you know, football season, and, and I'm like, you know what? We, You know, we, we've, uh, we've talked uh, baseball broadcast, hockey, curling... We haven't talked football. I was like, "Hey, who who were the who are the football uh, broadcast uh, mixers?" and and overwhelmingly, everyone said, "Hey, you have to talk to Jerry Palumbo." So, Jerry, uh, thank you for joining us, and I'm I'm excited Yay. to get into uh, your your background here. Welcome I mean, you, you, you've done everything from NFL, NBA, um, NHL, NASCAR, World Series stuff. You've done uh, uh, esports, um, post production, and uh -oh. we lost her. And yeah, that and and that's yeah, it. Yeah, and that was a great show. Let's talk Thanks about Joe Buck us, while yeah. she's gone. Uh oh. Okay, so being a a St. Louisan, while we're waiting for Jerry to come back, I have been enriched in sports just like everyone else. Um, like I grew up listening to radio broadcast, and I was always amazed in commentators and how they played each other and the sound of the game in the background and the sound of the crowd. And it's always been kind of amazing to me. And even when I was in high school, I always kind of like sneak up to the booth uh, at the football stadium and peek my head in. And they had a little crappy Mackie mixer or some little four channel banger, whatever the case may be. But wow, it, it's really cool to have these sports mixers on because I think their job entails a lot more than we always thought, um, especially the curling, blowing my mind, 120 yeah. mics. Yeah. And as far as technology goes, I think NFL has technology cornered. Hopefully Jerry will be back and, and we can get into that. But um, as far as technology goes, I think NFL is pretty much top of the rung for broadcast and how it's portrayed to the the people that watch hey we got you back jerry so that's good so welcome welcome, welcome to the show <laughs> welcome yeah. welcome to the show welcome, hey. welcome back yeah. welcome back to the second it's live, baby it's live <laughs> yeah so uh, I, okay oh, let's, let's jump in well i this made me think what what comes to mind have you had like an utter disaster when you're doing a live show something went horribly horribly wrong does anything come to mind Oh my God! We've all with, had horrible disasters. Start with the juicy stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> the easy stuff. I want to tell you one of the worst gigs I've ever yes, done. Yes, bring it. Um, Taxes. There was a little bit of sexist involved, and there was certainly uh, a lack of knowledge on a on a board. It was, I think, it was a Sony Oxford that you don't see in trucks yeah. very often. It's a very long time ago. I'm thinking, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago. And um, 
I was sent to a weird place in Mississippi to do this gig. And um, the EICs, the engineers in charge, they're usually the, the people who know everything about those trucks, how they're wired, the video, the audio. Um, so I go in and I'm like, I don't know this board because <laughs> back then um, you, it was a crapshoot on a lot of these trucks. It still is to some degree on some of the smaller shows, some of your bigger shows, some of your bigger NFL shows keep the same truck throughout the season. Um, but your MBAs and things like that, they'll switch it up. So I end up at this gig in the Sony Oxford with this steep ramp of, of, you know, a, a learning curve on it. And basically audio is all signal flow. So as long as you can get your input into your console and you can get your routing out, you're golden. Well, no one knew the console. I had a hard time getting stuff routed in. And I remember going to one of the EICs and I was like, do you know how this is routed? And that guy said, well, I don't ever, ma I don't maintain this truck. So I don't know anything about how the truck is even wired. And then the second guy was like here and he threw the Oxford book at me. And I'm like, Oh, this is not getting off to a very good start. <laughs> um, it was completely an utter uh, fire fest in the truck. I mean, if you had been in the truck, you would have thought that, um, I was, uh, uh, in one of those chambers in the game, game of Thrones, <laughs> you know, like the red wedding, <laughs> you know, uh, it was pretty brutal on the truck to the outside. I'm not so sure that people really knew what was going on in there. You know, that the producer and director were livid and they were angry because, you know, it took me longer to find stuff and no one knew the console that could support it. Um, so that probably was ranked right up there with one of the worst gigs. Um, there was a back when we were doing XFL, was that an, no, it was an AFL game, uh, not an AFL. It was arena football. And back when about 10 or 15 years ago, around the same time, they would throw so many effects and so many drops, like a lot of headsets, a lot of mics, a lot of interview positions, out on one of those gigs. And um, I remember we had like 30 seconds going to air and nothing was working. Mm. It was a really old truck. Nothing was working. <laughs> and within 30 seconds to air, uh, the EIC got our transmission link back. And it was literally one of those where it was not working all the way up to like, I was like, this thing's not even going to get off, off the ground. The Zeppelin's just going to go boop. Um, but that, again, at home, no one really knew what was going on. But there's things that happen in that truck when, when, when there's a fire alarm going off like that. You have to – this is when people go, man, there's just not enough money in it for me. And I have said that many times too. But there, that's also what makes you think on your feet. Mm. You have to just kind of compartmentalize those emotions, and you have to troubleshoot really quickly – on your feet. And uh, I don't think there's any better position to be in than that one to really push your, your uh, troubleshooting skills. Yeah, I'm sure. So but there's many, <sighs> there's many, those are the two that come to mind where it's like, man, I, I walked out of that truck and I was smoldering, you know, you the, and the people in the front of the truck didn't know that I was also getting heat from the people that, that that were supporting the truck because they didn't know the board either. 
And then when they threw the book at me, it was like, everyone was just like, you're, everyone was like sink or swim. Everyone was on their own, you know? And a lot of these older trucks that, that travel around and do more of the regional things, I mean, they get really beat up on the road. They shake a lot. You know, a lot of your patch bays get loose. There's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of work in the bays. There's a lot of, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that can go wrong. And that's kind of typical for an older truck, you know, and then you just pick another pair and you go to the next one or another fader and you just mm-hmm. do what you have to do. It sounds like, uh, in a lot of ways, it sounds like that, that tour that I was on when I was like 19 where it was just clubs with broken stuff and just, Oh, can't use panel four tonight. Cause it's broken. And <laughs> uh, we only got three subs cause one of them blew up and you're just like, all right, well, what works and let's, Let's use the stuff that works. <laughs> somehow it's, it sounds exactly the same thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah, except on steroids, you know. It, yeah, and, yeah. And then the other thing is, like, sometimes things just go down. Everything can be working great, and your 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 mic down in the field just might not be working. And my motto has always been: I'd rather upset my producer and my director and tell them don't toss to the field right now. And I'll go, why? What's going on? I don't know. Oh, my God. Because sometimes it gets crazy in the truck. And I said, it's not working, but we're on it. But what's wrong with it? I'm like, I don't know. But the guys are on it. The girls are on it. We'll figure it out. But you don't want to take it right now because it's not there. Right. So you don't want that to happen. <laughs> right. It, you know what I mean? better to not go there than to go there and there'd be silence or whatever. So Yeah, or hash or right. whatever, you know. So speaking speaking of that, let's, let's talk about, so what is, what is a typical uh, – NFL level um, input list look like from a broadcast standpoint. So, uh, co- oh, I wish I had one. Here. <laughs> I, I actually do have one, but I didn't think to bring it out here. A tip, well, a simple typical typical list might have four or five DTs on it. A DT DT is DT twelves. It usually has twelve pairs on it. Usually big. Sometimes we have uh, fiber. There's a lot of fiber that's out there right now. So a typical a typical production sheet for just the audio alone you might have in your booth. You might have your, your, all your mics on one DT, and then you might have all of your comms, which includes your IFBs on another DT and your stage managers and things like that. You might have a couple of effects mics thrown out of the window on, on those two DTs. Um, you might have one or two DTs, depending on how big the show is of a bunch of effects mics that go out onto the, field and that would surround the field depending on how big they are that would include all of your parabs any effects that uh you want to pick up from the field a lot of times we will use handheld cameras and some of our hard cameras and we go down the camera unit or we call them ccus you know there's two mic inputs on those and sometimes if we want to grab something from an odd position mm-hmm. we'll stick a shotgun mic on those and we'll pull it into the truck that way um there's also a graphics DT. Graphics means all your tape roll ins and all your playbacks and all of all of that has audio on them and usually it's stereo pairs. So we usually have a, a DT that's got all of your effects on them from your playback machine. So we can have that when we play them back. We usually have uh, when the old days and sometimes still currently a, a, a playback of music machine called a Digicart. Mm-hmm. Or spot on, you know, we use spot on a lot, at least I have in recent years. So we'll have that. There might be uh, some transmission malts, transmissions, your TX out and the ends and, 
you, you know, transmission paths. It just strictly is going to master control. Um, and that gets exponentially larger depending on the size of the gig. Like sure. your A games have a lot more going on with them than your C or D games, which are might have more of a regional audience or, or less audience uh, viewership. Gotcha. So it's interesting. So you think of your inputs in terms of DT banks of DTs as opposed to uh, banks of types of inputs. So, you know, whether it's uh, commentators or whether it's audience mics, it's more in banks of DTs as opposed to different types of inputs. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with the position where they're going. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so, and, and it's kind of been like this most of my career, like do you have a couple of DTs? Well, there's another DT would be for the submix. So for everything, for all the effects mics that you put out on the field, there is a submix position that usually is in the booth that's taking all those effects from those parab mics that you hear and all those grunts and things that are going on down on the field. And it's going to the submix position who is sitting with a little mixer of some sort, you know, of their choice. And they create a stereo mix and they send the, the stereo mix back to the A1. Interesting. So the A1 doesn't have all of his real estate eaten up with all the effects mics because there's a lot of real estate being eaten up already with all your playback and stereos. Well, let's let's stick on audience mics for a minute because that's a, that's a big part of creating the space and environment when you're sitting at home and that energy. So I was very curious to that. So so on an A-level game at least, that's all typically a submix. So you would just have like a, a, a handle that's 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 audience in general and if it's going to push and pull and stuff like that or where where that audience is coming from, it's all happening by by a submixer? Yes, it is. And that submixer is, is sitting there and watching the play the same way you are. And basically on a, on an A game, sometimes we just have parabs on two locations if it's a really low end game, but normally there's four parabs, a near left, a near right, a far left and a far right. And those parabs have microphones that point inward for people who don't understand that they don't point out, they point inside to the bowl. So you're capturing everything inward to the bowl. So the so let's say you have a play that's starting on the ten the, the far right the right ten yard line and and it's moving towards the left goalpost. You would have you would have your your near left parab would be as close to the fifty yard line as possible because they just work between the the end zone and the fifty yard lines in their quadrants, and he would be pointing towards the scrimmage line. And then your near right and your far right would be capturing it up close. So you're gathering it from all four directions, but the two that are the nearest to it, if you watch a game, I'm going to, people back home can't see this, but if you watch a game, this is the parab. You'll see them standing right there on the line and they're kind of doing this and they're in front of the, of the scrimmage line and they're actually in front of the play and they're trying to capture it. So the majority of those grunts and hits and, and all of that is coming from a majority of them are coming from the parabs as well as a lot of people forget about this, your handheld mics and your cart mic that's on the sidelines that can also shoot far and grab a lot of that ambient noise as well. So that all goes to the submix position and they're trying to grab as much of that oomph and ah that you hear 
uh, out on the field. And sometimes you can tell exactly where it's coming from based on the parab position because mm. sometimes you see them in the shots. Are they heavily compressed at your desk? Do you, do you like compress those down and, and kind of put them in an area on your desk? Because uh, sometimes when you yes, hear them and hit. the submix will do that too. So, so if the submix does it, then that takes less heat off of us. And, and actually, and I'm glad you brought that up because in, in the days before digital, um, compression, you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't do as much front of house because once I got into sports, that kind of went away. But one of the things that used to panic me was if I went into a truck and I didn't see a rack of DBXs or compressors, there would be no way to wrangle this kind of noise. Yeah. You would have, you know, it's overdriven and it and it's it it's splatter everywhere. So you're trying to wrangle noise so that it sounds good. And my motto was always Eric. Actually, Eric Zobler is he does stuff with Kenny Loggins, and he asked me this question about about my ratios, and I said I've always start two to one, and I dial it in until it sounds good. That my my announcers in particular that's the ones I care about the most right. are not splattering when they get excited and scream and slam the desk and go, Oh my God. You know, you're trying to capture as much of that without the pumping and the splattering. Yeah. Um, you can hear it a from lot the of hit that sometimes. The, the, you can hear it kind of grab. And I was wondering if that sometimes was between, between parabs or actual compression happening on the field or at your desk. Cause those or things are pretty intense. It could be just simply them getting hit. Yeah. Really it hard. It could be a combination of that. So yeah, there's I'm, a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on there. There's a lot of people. It's like when they finally started doing years ago and they had the submix position, I mean, this is why a lot of those games sound so good because you've got one person dedicated to wrangling all of that that's down there on the field to give you the best experience that you could possibly get. And then the A1 is is taking that feed in and mixing it under or to their liking. But they're really busy listening to the director's cues and their and their tape roll-ins and their bumpers in and out and, and and grabbing this stuff as as the as the game is moving along. So um and then there's RF and that's another issue. But but yeah, there's a lot going on down there. So that brings up a good point. Um, so you, you have someone you know, basically in your ear the entire time calling us, calling us, calling us. So how much of it are you actually able to listen to the mix or is, you know, from a muscle memory or fade memory of where things are. And so when they call for it, I'm just doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this and you're not actually kind of listening to the whole thing or I don't know how, to, how does that, how does that play into it? Uh, it's all of it, all of it. <laughs> yes. You're, you you become very 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 good at selective listening. Um, so so my particular setup, I can tell you how this sounds. Uh, I, I threw a friend in a room with with one of my uh, my friends Jeff one time at, for a ramp up of a of a of a of an NFL game. I said because I just want you to see the chaos that happens before we actually launch to air. I wasn't mixing this show. Um, I was doing RF on it, but anyway. When you're when you're a mixer for a game, you've got you've got your surround speakers that are already in your room. They're already they're they're hardwired. They're there, and you know where everything is because that's where you're listening to the mix of your show. For me, I have a Fostex speaker up here and to the left, and my producer over here on my right. 
because I need to hear without a doubt every single cue that the that the director is calling so I know whether we're going to I'm going to bump music going into commercial we're going to go take this we're going to take this tape rolling over here we're going to I have to hear him over top of everything else and then my producer I'm kind of sort of listening to the producer because I want to get an idea of where the producer's going the producer would tell the director what he wants to do. And I'm going, okay, well, they're probably going to go to commercial and he probably wants a 30 second bumper or they're going to go to a, a sappy piece about somebody's charity and, and they're going to want this kind of music bed underneath it. So you are listening to all of that at one time. And in the middle of all that, you got a little Waller speaker with your tape machines, with your tape ops on it. Because you need to hear what tape's doing so you can clear. Well, you don't have to clear it as much as you had to in the older days because they would have to stop the tape and actually rewind it. And if you didn't pull that tape down or that particular fader down, you would hear the tape rewind on air back in the old days. So you're listening to those three things pretty critically in addition to your surround mix or your mixes. There's so many different things. All right. So, so <laughs> go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> so do you work for a sp- specific NFL team right now? Or do you just, are you all over the place where needed? I'm all over the place. Normally how this works is um, you might get a package that year and say, I'm going to travel with Fox Sports this year on the B package or the A or the C or the D. And you'll be with that core group throughout the entire season from week to week to week. And same way with CBS and NBC and Monday Night Football. It's it's pretty much those are called packages. It's like going out on tour. You kind of have a clue. You kind of have a clue two weeks out because they'll change where you're going depending on the demographics of who's hot that week. So the A game might be over here if it's the Patriots and they're hot, or it might be Dallas if they're hot. You know, so they kind of move around Um, and then you fill in and you do you freelance in between some of those during the season as an independent contractor. I want to know who a D team is this year. Super fanboy question. Who's a D team? Buffalo Bills? I don't know who. Well, you're talking about the the when we say team. You know what? Well, first of all, I'm not on it this year because I started a, a new company about a year ago. So I'm not I'm not traveling with them this year. But they all get the same day rate as far as the crew. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But they just don't get as many perks. I would say I would say D viewership. Let's talk viewership. Is not, it's based on viewership. Yes, it is. LA Rams. Let's go ahead and say it. LA Rams are the D squad. No, are you, I'm, gonna, I'm are you generating hate mail right now? Like, really? I'm generating hate mail. No, not the Rams. We already, we already not started the, talking not about the Ra- no, sports. the Rams this year are no LA Rams. You're just sour. They left oh, left your I'm city. Sour. He's sour. We've already talked about the sour St. Louis guy. Yeah, I was just going to say you're just sad because they left. Yeah, we're talking. Right? We're talking. We're talking sad. Miami Dolphins here. I don't we're know. Sad's a good Detroit Lions, but Well, I was going to say Detroit might be in there, but you know, I don't want any Detroit haters. <laughs> hey, but remember, okay, so when we Did were they kids, win any this year? It, uh, it didn't matter a, a long time ago when Madden was still doing Thanksgiving. It was the Detroit game and the Cowboys game, and everybody watched both of those games, no yep. matter who they were playing. Yeah, like yeah, the. De- Everyone knows the Detroit Lions from John Madden's eight-legged 
turkey that he did. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And yes. and I think everybody has their day in the in the light. Like you said, some Monday night games will be someone who's hot and someone who's garbage. That's and right. and that's right. that's cool that it does that for you because that package deal lets you witness different stadiums, different teams, different ways that they want to broadcast, different broadcasters, even. That's right. And, and I'm sure you. I mean, totally. It, it it NFL's fun because there's not a lot of teams, but there's a lot of divisions, and yes, the broadcasters that are there now are they're descendants of the greats, and like this is like almost perfection for you at this point. You had the growing pains of of the tape machine spinning and things right. clanking and transients coming through and not having DBX racks like. So when, when you weren't on earlier, I was like, this is amazing because I think if, if you take NFL and put it next to other broadcast sports, this is where they get the gold standard from. I mean, I could be wrong, yes. but I think NFL no, they do. does and it I right. I can tell you that this is where they also got the, the RF coordination from. It For all sure. started with NFL and that was to keep you know, our RF microphones and other RF devices off of those coach comms, you know, because the coach comms have to be critical that they can communicate with each other. So what did they decide to do? The league decides to say, hey, we're going to dedicate these specific frequencies for this market at this particular game on this Sunday to the coach comms. And then everybody else stay away from these frequencies. It kind of started sort of cryptically that way. And then it grew into, well, we've have hundreds of, of RF mics now. So, so cool. We, let's get everybody into their own lane and we'll have a good show. So that's where RF con- coordination came from, too. At, NFL stadiums, calm. even for a touring band going into an NFL stadium to do a show, the RF coordination is something special. It really is yes. because at any moment that stuff is on or not. And the networks, like, I think, um, Carl said it on one of his things and we've had some RF guys on our show as well. Like Carl's great. Winkler, I'm I'm assuming yes. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, I love Carl. The RF coordination. Oh, it's so good. Like it makes you interested in RF. Like you want to get over your head in RF, go to an NFL stadium. Period. Well, I I'm glad you said that because I mixed forever. Okay. And the other exciting part of, about doing this gig is that while Cleary and and Wendell and Eddie Soltis and Freddie, the gods, like those people who remain in that seat as they should because they're great, I actually love RF as much as mixing. It's just as hostile. It is just as unpredictable. It's just as challenging and fun to pull that off and then try to keep that in the air. So now you're trying to monitor all your RF channels and you're trying to make sure they stay clean. Just like we were talking about earlier. Don't pitch to the guy on the field. He's got hash on his mic. We don't know, but they're working on it. So if I were doing RF, I would be the person that's going, you know, we just took an RF hit. You know, it could be something as silly. We, we talk about these solar flares and we talk about these anomalies. Let's talk about like trusses. Trusses are your enemies when it comes to RF. People don't think about that stuff. You want to make sure you got a direct line of sight from your transmitter to your 
receiver. And if you're shooting through a bunch of trusses, they are not your friends. You just think about the the Pink Floyd prism. It's going like this, <laughs> you know, and it's you're trying to capture it. You might be capturing half of your signal and not a whole of your signal. And so to me, it's physics and it's a completely different animal, but it's just as exciting. So to do it. how much time do you get with your mix and RF before game time on a normal show day? Oh, well, first of all, I need to back up and tell you that on an NFL game, you get all day Saturday, the day before as a set day. So you have all day to dial that in. And our days are built on 10 hour days. So sometimes we come in at eight o'clock in the morning and we're done by two, meaning we've faxed back to master control. Everything's working in the truck. Everything's talking to everybody. Um, if you've got problems, you stay the whole 10 hours and you try to figure it out. You come in the next day, let's say it's a one o'clock game. You might have a, an 8 a.m. call. You're feeling good because everything was working when you left. You fire everything up. You go through a quick fax again. And, and then about an hour or two, a couple hours before game time, usually it's about 10 or 11 in the morning for one o'clock. You do transmission check again, back to master control. You did it the day before. You're making sure everything's talking back to your master control. And then about the hour before you start doing pre-pro, you're in there working. They do and building packages and things. Some of those shows they do hits during game day too. If it's an important game or a playoff, so you're doing hits like every hour for the station, right? So you yeah, might have to stop away. what you're doing yes. and just cut away and do like broadcasters outside yeah. the stadium or um, yeah. That that is interesting. I would love to see a. That's a, a mix minus kind of setup, but yeah, yes, mm -hmm. I, I'd love to see an input list and a show day show sheet. That would be amazing to take a gander at, just like the minute by minute and and an input list. I have that. I definitely I have one from a Super Bowl from which one was this one where I was wow. doing all the RF on this one. That, that would be cool to post list. up on the, on the yeah. description. Chris. For That'd people to really take neat. a look at, I, I don't even care about people. I want to take a look at that. <laughs> I have tons of that. I have I, I, I used to keep, in fact, I've never thrown any of them away. And the reason I don't is because I might need to duplicate that setting Dang. for another truck. Jerry, so that's, that's your drumstick. that I ever had, I still have that. That's your drumstick. That's your guitar pick. Like that's what we get for doing front of house for crappy rock bands. You get, yeah. you get your set list and your sheet <laughs> for the day. Like I'd keep that too. Holy cow. That's amazing. Amazing. I have, I was, it's funny because I'm in, I'm in a house in Charlotte right now, which is a house that, uh, that I'm working on that, before I moved to LA, we kept this house and I'm doing some work on it and I'm packing some things up. And I went through a whole list of stuff from the nineties and the early two thousands, all these set lists from then for NBA and major league baseball and spring training and NFL. Yeah. I have them all soccer. So I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so back to some of the mixing stuff. Um, when uh how about when um i'm gonna call them fx come in from um lower thirds or animations instant replays right so like a package rolls and like you'll hear an animation while something moves on the screen um do you know that's coming or do you just have to leave those hot and they come in how does how does some of that stuff work 
Yeah, they're 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 um, they're 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 triggered with the the GPIs from the from the. Um, I was going to say GFI because I've been I've been <laughs> wiring the house, <laughs> but yes, they're triggers. They're triggers from the uh, TD, the technical director, when he takes a shot. Um, when we started doing this years ago, where it's like instead of uh, instead of trying to upcut a a sound effect, we at that time put in a second digit card that had nothing but bells, whistles, right. bugs. Whoop, 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 whoop. Fox does it more than anyone. And we would leave that hot on a stereo fader so that whenever the TD would trigger something in particular and it flies in, my board stays hot for that and they trigger it whenever they feel like it. Yeah, okay, that makes, that makes so sense. So that stays hot and it's just they trigger it. That makes sense. And that way we don't upcut it and miss it. How, um, what do you mean by upcut? Upcut is when somebody says, hey, stand by one, take one, and you're late. Or you're uh, too fast. You're trying to second guess them. So the sound comes in a little later than the cue does. So in, in television, sports, and mostly television in general, the audio will follow video. So let's say you cut to a car that's going if you upcut it or you're too too slow, it'll go by and go <laughs> you know, that kind of things. Whereas if if it's on a GPI trigger and they hit it, it's instantly there. Right. Because you've already faxed that out the day before. You set your levels and the bugs come in and they know that it's not going to be too loud for the show and you leave that set and you don't even think about it anymore. Now, when you say GPI triggers, like, is it triggering a mute or a fader move, or um, you saying, um, or is the fader just wide open? If so, if they were to accidentally hit the something wrong, it's going to come through. That the fader is wide open for me. Gotcha. We preset it. We check it during the the set day. We preset it. You mentioned um, having to do like bumper music and, and stuff like that. Um, is are those cuts all predetermined, or are they saying, "Hey, we want to go to this bumper. We want to go to this um, in the in the moment where you have to actually find that that piece." Um, they are pre-selected, but they are pre-selected in a group. So let's say um, producer Joe Blow comes in and goes, "Here's my music for this show," and he'll have maybe 15, 10 second bumpers and. 30, 30 second highlight cuts and 40 graphic cuts and whatever. And he gives them to the A1 and the A1 loads all those cuts into his digicart or his spot on in whatever key positions that they're in. And he'll go to commercial or she'll go to commercial and say, okay, we need a 10 second cut. We're going to go commercial standby in 10 and he'll call it. And it's usually up to the A1 to pick any one of those particular cuts, unless the director or producer asks for something specific, you know, and then he might go a good uh, example is of this is if they're going and they're looking at a replay or they're looking at somebody's life and they want a little highlight music, you'll hear music sneaking underneath. That would be highlight music. If there's a graphic going on and they're talking about stats and they're talking about numbers and things like that, there might be music going on under that, and that would be our graphic cuts. So they're predetermined by the producer, and then they give the A1 a selection to, to, to choose from. And we do hotkey that ourselves. That's where we have to pay attention to the director. Yeah. 
you know, we need to hear what the director's wanting and where he's going. Uh, you know, we're going to go to this package with music, you know, so then you have to cue it. Gotcha. And make sure the fader's up. Well, that makes, that makes sense. How about, um, how, what happens during, what happens during commercials? Um, Are you just reading off a list of questions right now? This is I, crazy. I, I, I do have questions. <laughs> you think, no, he did. Yeah, I, <laughs> he does. His spiral I notebook love it. from Andy, eighth grade. I love it, man. That's awesome. I could have given you a list of some really good stuff. All well, my we, stuff's off my dome right now. I'm just we, thinking about yeah. it right now. Wait, wait. wait. I, I want to. I want to. Let me get one in here, Chris. Before yeah, you get go back. for it. All right. Yeah, I want to go a little bit different direction, Jerry. You talked about you're kind of the second generation, you know, and you, you kind of learned directly from the people that that pioneered this work. Um, who were some people that that were mentors to you as you were, as you were learning, or maybe mentors still? People you still uh, look to when you need help and stuff. Well, a lot of these people were mentors by the fact that I worked under them as their A2s or did their RF form or we worked on a package together. Um, some of the greats are still out there. That would be Freddie Aldis, who just retired from Fox Sports. He was their A-game A1 forever. Um, Eddie Soltis is the CBS Sports. You'll see Eddie on all the NFL and a lot of the PGA. Um, Wendell Stevens. Wendell does um, Sunday night football. Wendell, the thing about Wendell, I got to say this about Wendell, because every, every single one of these guys are outrageous for what they do. But with Wendell's mix, I can be in another room and I will know it's Wendell. I will know it's Wendell by the way he mixes his effects in with his announcers. I can always tell that it's Wendell because I, I feel like Wendell has this Monet-ish way that he paints his palette with his audio. I can always tell it's him. Um, uh, Kevin Cleary is another one. Kevin's uh, the ESPN guy. Um, there's many more others. There's people that you don't hear about a lot. Mark Butler. Mark Butler's been around forever. I call him and his bestie, Jeff Cohen. I call him frickin' Frack because they both are extraordinary mixers. But the thing about uh, Jeff, it's a little bit different, as well as Phil Adler. Phil does things also a little bit differently than a lot of the other people. Um, is that they they have their own way, like we all do, of hearing things, and they have their own ideas on how they want to capture it. And I really feel that, from a capture perspective, that Phil Adler and and Jeff Cohen are the most unique. A ones that are out there. How mu- but there's many. How much? How much does a net? How much does a net? How much does the network have to say about? Um, you said you know each each A one kind of has their vision or their style of how they mix, but it mean you know does Fox kind of have a signature sound and feel the way they mix versus CBS versus ESPN, and how much do they kind of try to drive that agenda, or they just they do that by picking the engineers that they want to pick anyway. I think that they do that by picking the engineers that they want in there. But these people have been in the seats for so long that there is a trust working relationship going on between that A1 and that level and the network. It's a level of excellence that I think that the network is expecting. Yeah. And and they provide that, you know, and it's a good question be, to ask that because not only is it the kind of quality of mixers that they are, but there are also signature sounds that you hear. You know, we all know, I always know when it's CBS because I know their signature 
their their signature music sounds. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute when we wrap this thing up. But but um, they work together because sometimes I have seen in the past where they go, I didn't really like the sound of this show. What do you think? Eddie or Freddie, what do you think we could do to make this more exciting? What do you recommend? And then the A1s will get creative with their teams or themselves, and they'll try try new things. Like I know Eddie was trying new things out on PGA. I don't do a lot of PGA. I, d- I don't like to be gone for a full week, in and out for a weekend, you know, four days. It's good for me. I don't want to be gone for seven or six. But but I, I know a few years ago, Eddie was trying some really new techniques at some of the holes on PGA. And I'm pretty sure that that was on him to come up with these ideas and share it with the network. You know, it's and the funny. network can <laughs> agree or, or not, or disagree, you know, our, uh, a good friend of the show, Andrew Stokely, we've had him on a couple times. And actually I think one of the times we, we had a horrible technical failure. So I think it ended up only being one time publicly, but he said two things, almost exactly word for word, what you said, it's really interesting. He said like, one time he got into a truck and he didn't see his DBX compressors there and he was having a minor panic attack, oh. you know, and, yes. and he also says he can tell who's mixing the game based on uh, listening to it. So it's, it's really amazing to hear you say those exact same things. It's it's, it's really, really fascinating to me because. Yeah. And I know Andrew, there's another great one. I mean, yeah, you do. You, it's just like, it's just like listening to music. Sometimes you can just tell who mixed that record. Yeah. Eric and I did this to last year. We were listening to some Grammy nominations or something. And I, we looked, we both looked at each other at the same time and we went Mick Guzowski. And, and we looked and it was Mick Guzowski. Just, you just, they have you, if you listen, you'll start to be able to tell the big ones anyway, the big sure. names, you know? Yeah. DBX and is your friend when you're wrangling noise. What, you know. what what do you think? And maybe maybe this isn't a fair question for you because you've just done you're so steeped in broadcast work. But for people uh, who do primarily live music, concerts, corporate audio, what do you think that they would find most surprising about going to to broadcast sport mixing? What's the biggest um, shift? Do you think in comparison? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think I think I think the biggest aha moment would be how much is really going on in, in, in the mixer's room. You, you know, I, I, there's so much going on in there that has nothing to do with the show mix. Mm. Whereas somebody who's mixing a concert can just solely concentrate on making that music in that, that show the most beautiful thing. And they're not distracted with a ton of comms. They're not distracted with a director they're not distracted with a producer. They're not distracted with an AD. They're not distracted with a tape op and all of these people talking at the same time while you're trying to do your mix. I think that would be the biggest shock um, that how much chaos is really going on in the room of the A1 of the A1 mixer. Mm, yeah. Okay. I think I, I think that's not a career uh, avenue for me because I'm known for yelling at people at front of house when they <laughs> talk too loud. I'm trying to mix. <laughs> The, actually, I'm telling the, you, it's selective, <laughs> selective listening. But yeah. you get really good at you get really good at that. It's really weird. It's you know, it's seat time, like anything. It's seat time, yeah, and then you sure. start going, okay, this is what I expect to happen. 
my wife would probably tell you I'm really good at selective listening. Do you see? Do you see? Um, is this an area where you're seeing a lot of younger people start to get interested in the work that you're doing? I know uh, Stokely is telling us he always is mentoring people and and speaking to students and stuff. I mean, have you seen more of an interest kind of blossom around this work? I have always seen an interest blossom around that this work. I think I, I would like to see a lot more inroads to the broadcast environment where they would bring more interns in. I think a lot of what I'm seeing is, you know, there's a lot of unions, so you have to get in the union first, and then you have to work your way up, and you kind of have to prove yourself. And, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more opportunities from the union side. There's a lot of competition so when you're coming in through the groundswell there, there's a lot of there's a lot of this going on sometimes. But um, there's a ton of avenues for young people to get into this business. And one of the things that I like to mentor too is that don't just focus on being the A1 mixer. Think about all the glorious things. It's one of the things I told Chris when we talked a few weeks ago. I said, it's not all about the A1 for me. I do like to mix. I, I did nothing but mix for like the first 10 years of my career. And I didn't realize all the really good juicy stuff I was missing outside of the truck. You know, like your field audio is fabulous fun because you can sit down there if you're a fan and listen to the coaches. You can listen to, to their strategies and you're right there in it. RF is exciting. The calm environment is exciting. The booth is exciting. There's all these things that go into a broadcast that's not just all about the mixer. And the mixer is pretty much trapped in that truck with a lot of heat on them. So there's a time and place when that's a lot of fun. And there's a time and place when I'd rather be on that field, listening to the chatter of what's really going on in a real NFL game. You know, there's the parabs, there's the effects that you could be setting up. There's, there's, there's a lot of fun avenues and a lot of career avenues in audio, in sports. That's not just the mixer. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing it's, it, we, we try to highlight that from the rock and roll standpoint too. It's like, it's not just about being the A1. There's the system tech, there's the RF engineer, the monitor engineer, like the stage patch, like there's, there's, there's many more facets to the business than, you know, the, 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 the hot seat that, that gets all the attention all the time. So that's definitely, definitely pretty cool. And the hot seat isn't always the best seat. You know, we think that it is, but I can tell you I've gotten to know more of my colleagues by not being in that hot seat than I have by sitting in the hot seat. Cause you're invisible a lot, you know? That's pretty cool. Uh, how about uh, during during commercials? What happens during commercials? Because I know sometimes um, whiskey sometimes, shots. <laughs> um, I know commercials are run by the network themselves, not necessarily from the truck itself, right? And so I notice sometimes maybe a commercial runs late, and you guys are still rolling, right? So what what happens during that time? Are you still in show mode? And nothing really changes. How does how does that go? No, we're we're usually in there talking about something. So here's how this works. So. There's a thing called, a. am going to tell you exactly how we go to break. And when we actually go to commercial, we might be down for 60 seconds. We might be down for 30. You know, we might all, we, we might be all in there talking about listening to the director and producer and say, Hey, we're going to come back up with this bumper. And we're going to, we're going to recap this last play, you know, be talk. They might be talking about what they're going to do. 
and we're not listening to the commercial. We go black sure. in our truck most of the time, unless we're running the commercials out of that truck. And you don't always see that. Sometimes you do. But anyway, yeah, so master control is controlling uh, the commercials that you see. But how we go to commercial is a twofold thing. If you look down on the field, usually it's on the near side, somewhere to the left or to the right of the bench, of the player's bench, right on the, the, the line of the field of play. You're going to see a red hat and a green hat. You're going to see two people standing there. It'll be a bright orange hat on one person. And usually right behind, beside them is a bright green hat. Those are called the red hat and the green hat. And the red hat will wear a great big orange arm on him. He, the, the sole purpose of the red hat is to sit there and keep the, the headset on and communicate with the producer or the AD or both to be ready for a dead ball. And if a dead ball comes, he'll walk out like this and he'll hold the ref and ups and tell them that we're going to go to commercial. He'll do this to tell them and hold them. For, for that dead ball for 30 seconds, or he'll tell him to hold him for 60. And that's how we actually stop the play to go to commercial. We wait for the next dead ball and we hold him. Or there might be an injury and he'll come out and he'll hold him. So there's always uh, somebody from the referee team is always in communicado with the, the red hat and the truck is talking to, to the league. Now the green hat, works for the league and the green hat keeps time of how many breaks have we taken? How many 30 second breaks have we taken? How many 60 second breaks have we taken? Because the sponsors need to get so many in. So the green hat does the timekeeping for the league side. The red hat does it for the network side. All about the money. And that's how we break and go <laughs> to commercial in the truck. We're usually talking about what's the next thing we're going to do. We'll look down the list and go, you know, next thing we're going to do, we're going to come up and we're going to recap Cam Newton's clothes. We're going to look at the threads he was wearing at the last press conference. And, and Joe Buck, you're going to talk about it. Oh, no. You know, I'm things like you. that is what goes on. Speaking of Joe. So Joe Buck, <laughs> I'm, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan by birth. Um, I've been listening to games since I could listen to games. And I still listen to games. And... Obviously, Joe Buck kind of sounds like his dad, um, and it was a breath of fresh air for St. Louis Cardinal fans to be able to hear Joe Buck replace Jack after his passing and everything. And and yeah. I get it; he was only here to ninety one, and then he went on to Fox and did more yeah. stuff. But the kicker was two thousand four. We were in the World Series with the Boston Red Sox, and he was the broadcaster for that. And he seemed to lean towards the Red Sox and he got a little bit too excited when they did good. That was fine. That was fine. Then when he went on air talking about how cool it would be to announce a Cubs world series game, we all believe that his dad rolled over in the grave and that he should have as much dislike for the Cubs as a St. Louis Cardinal fan. And that's it. But th there's other things out there. That's what I was going to ask you next is you have your favorite broadcasters, color commentary people, uh, and you've probably worked with some of the absolute best and probably some that you have some dirt on that would be funny to talk about, like <laughs> if they weren't good or if they did something off air. But who is your favorite broadcaster right now? 
Oh my God, that's so hard because they're all great. They are wicked now. You know, coming up through the ranks with some of these people. Um, who did you listen to where like you were Van like, Deirdre, iconic. Remember those people? They're, who have I had the most fun with? Uh, oh, well, we've all had some nightmares. There's there's always some divas out there. And I, there's no way I'm going to talk about divas. <laughs> Damn it. I might have to work with them. Um, there's a couple that were just, you know, one who shall remain nameless would constantly pull out his headset from his, you know, he'd stand up and get excited and he'd pull the jack out of his headset and he'd lose his audio and he'd panic. And then you'd go up to fix it and he'd, he'd be, he'd be like this. He wasn't abusive that way, but he's freaking out. And he's like, he's like, and I'm like, I'm, and he's like, and then he's like, and, and I'm like, and, you know, so you're, you're trying to fight through that to try to plug his little. So it got to the point where we would tape it shut so that he can never pull it out. But he's retired now. Um, wow. A voice, you know, a voice, um, an iconic voice that you will always remember. And that's Jack Buck for me. I mean, and Dan Deardorff. You know, I got this asked question by my brother and I was like, this is a this is a hard one to answer. Um, I really enjoyed working with Steve Mariucci and, yeah. and Dion and that crew for a number of reasons. Um, and Marshall Falk when he was there too, but, um, uh, because I actually saw Dion really transform from the, the bad boy cowboy that we all knew he was when he was a cowboy player, you know, and kind of aloof with the media and, and watch him kind of morph into this, what they call prime time now. You know, I watched him morph into this amazing personality that is quite intimidating if you don't really know him. And, um, but I, I, I really like Dion. Um, I love Steve Mariucci. Um, Dion, Chris Collinsworth was great to work with. Chris there's, Collinsworth there's is iconic as well. Holy cow. He's, for sure. he's a great guy to work with. Um, all of the CBS guys, all of the Fox guys. I mean, I worked, I, I worked on Joe, I worked on Troy Aikman's first when he first started his color commentating. In fact, I had mixed his last Dallas game. You know, he was going to retire. Got, he got injured. So the last season I was actually mixing. And then the following season, I, I see him in the booth with Fox. Um, watch Joe Buck grow. And it's it's really interesting is that, you know, I work off and on with Joe. I did a, a separate show with Joe, um, not related to, to this. But um, I'm a, I, I liked working with Joe. And I just couldn't. I'm just trying to figure out what is all this Joe is Joe bashing. Now. <laughs> well, you can read his Wikipedia. He's got more than just that. He, he's he got a lot of hate from a bunch of different teams on your, he sure does. I know he does. And I was like, I'm missing it because I, when you're working with him, you're not paying any attention to that. Well, on, on, so speaking of not paying attention, uh, do you ever get caught up in either the game, the commentating at all, or are you always able to, to separate yourself? Yes, and this is a very famous story that comes up to this day. This was in Carolina. I'm working a Carolina game. I'm in the booth this time, and I am a football fan. And um, it, it, what happens is before halftime and before, before the end of the game, there's the two-minute warning that we all know about. 
Well, the two minute warning, if you're up on, on, uh, the, the executive suite level, that's where all the coach comms are, all the coaches are, they will hold the elevators and no one's allowed to use them for that whole two minutes. So you can't get downstairs and you can't get to any other positions on the field if you need to go fix something. So I knew that in my head, but this was a game. It was a CBS game because I was the only one working both the field and the booth. And I had an after show interview on the field. I got caught up into the game because Carolina was coming back from like nothing to winning. And it had like 157 left. And I was like, well, 157 left in the game could be 10 minutes with all the timeouts. Right. So I stayed up there until the clock kicked down and I go casually walking out to go do my interview down on the field and they wouldn't let me in the elevator. And I was like, but I have an interview. And I only, I was the only one that knew where all of the gear was to take it out. You know how they put the headsets on the players and they're walking. I had to do that. And I was like, well, where's the exit? And they're like, there is no exit. I went out through the window and I was telling people to catch me. I said, catch me. And we had police officers and people catching me. And I'm like, I got to get to the field. And I'm crawling over people. And I finally get down to the field with like 20 seconds left before the end of the clock of the game. And I yelled at one of the utilities that I knew. I said, catch me, Tom. I said, you got to catch me. And then I'm, I'm running like mad. And I go grab the headset. And I run out there. And I get it on them. And people talk about that to this day. Have you been scaling any stadium walls lately? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I could have gotten a lot of trouble for that. But yes, I got caught up in the game. That's awesome. And was not paying attention to the two minute warning. You know, I'm thinking like the normal, you know, viewer that, you know, this will take 15 minutes before they'll, right. the game will be over. Right. So that's one. What was another one that that got me almost got me in trouble? I have to think about it where I, I, I got involved with watching and I was like, oh, this isn't going to turn out well, <laughs> you know. So on your sound girls profile, which I found super interesting, by the way, we should put a link to that. Absolutely. As well. yeah, we will. Of course. Um, the best part of being on the road, you end the sentence with um, exploring new parts of the world and for certain local eateries and local cuisine oh so what what is what are you craving right now and where would you have to be to to have that oh mm. what do you eat and then you're like i'm not in that what? city i can't eat that thing oh um well there's a place in new york called plataforma on it used to be on like eighth avenue and like 49th or something and it was like a, a churrascaria kind of place Ooh. if you're big into meat meat and it's like you just go in there and gorge yourself like a like a tick basically um <laughs> green that's, we all know the green yeah or, or right uh, that's one of them um cuban type food in miami yes um, so, yes have you have you good, been to say have you have you been to Saison, uh, a Cuban uh, place? Uh, it's on. Um, Is that the one right on South Beach? Uh, well, it, no, it'd be it'd be further north than South Beach. It's more like like seventy first or seventy second Street, but A one A. It's my favorite. So, th there's like a famous Cuban restaurant in South Beach, and I went there, and I didn't think it was as good. It's this place called Saison. Every time I go down there, like it, oh, 
I love Cuban food. Yeah. 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 And we always ask the locals, like, where do you go? Yeah. And we usually hit that. But I remember one time, uh, working a BET gig down there and, and we spent all of our per diem every single night yes. on like just, cause you don't always spend all your per diem on that kind of food. And we're like, you know what? hundred dollars. It's going to this meal. Yes. Um, there's a place and I can't remember the name. Every time we would go to Sonoma in Napa, we would always go to this Italian place and that would always sit you back like a pretty penny. Um, like some Vietnamese food. Um, hmm. That's a tough one. I have to think about it. But platform I would hit every time I went to New York. So there's obviously tons of questions, more questions. I was going to say, how far, how far down your there's list a, there, we get here, be, No, no, no. There's so many. The original COVID to Charles in Dallas, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, no, there, there's so many questions we could go on and on. But, you know, <clears throat> more importantly, um, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? I would like to be known for being nice to work with. You know, that I try to create a pleasant and encouraging environment for everyone and that we're a team and that we're a team player and no one is any better than anybody else. Just because somebody has more skills or more experience than somebody else on the crew doesn't mean that that they're not important. You know, that's a really important thing for me is like, you know, that's somebody I want to work with because not only do we have fun, but we get a lot of good things done. That would be my legacy that I would hope that I would convey to others. Is there we have a good time doing it, but we're serious. Is there someone who instilled that to you early on, or was that inherent? No, I got tired of watching assholes <laughs> treat other people like dirt on, on and withhold information on shows. That stuff still goes on. It goes on in a lot of places. No, I got angry watching people play games with people's careers. You know, I on on a particular NASCAR show with a particular network because they're all not like that. I'll hold a lot of my career to NASCAR, but you just get in with a bad production and you get a lot of bad seeds and you start they started posseing together and they started nitpicking people and they would start to get them all fired. They would they would not give them the tools they needed to do their jobs. They would withhold information. Don't tell her anything or don't tell him anything. Don't do this for them. Don't answer your radio. This is I very much encourage people to go. If you start seeing this kind of thing going on and and, and they're not and people are not playing as a team, um, this might not be the environment for you. Go find your tribe and find it earlier. Because it's never probably going to work out. And the thing that makes me angry about that, having been in the position where you're not seeing that going on, because when you're the A1, you don't see that kind of stuff. It's usually going on below you out on the field somewhere. Yeah. Those people don't have the A1s back. Those people don't have the shows back. They have each other's agendas back. They're not looking after the show. And that's a super, super hot button for me. It's like, don't bring that attitude onto my show because this is the kind of thing I, I just, I can't tolerate it. But we can have a really great time if we can work together mm. and be kind to each other because it's not a competition. No one's going to take your gig if you've got a good attitude, you know? Sweet. I like that. That's cool. 
That's awesome. They're not. They're just not going to take it. Thank, Gary, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been yeah, thank really, you so really much. great to speak with you. We appreciate it. We could do a part two, three, and four as well. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, like me. What's yeah, that? we. So hold wait, on. Can, right, so wait, can part, we do part, round table here? Well, let's with do it. And well, wait, part, and Stokely. Part, part. Well, part two needs to be. We need to cover all the sports, right? So you said you did NASCAR and NBA. We haven't touched either of those yet. So yeah, I mean that that sounds like a, an, epi- an episode two. There we we cover or the soccer. Next. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Or soccer. Soccer is similar to football in the way it's it's the way it's wired. Similar. Talk about that to people from Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta let's let's do it, Chris. Let's That's do a it. big let's deal, man. This was a lot going on. Awesome. Um, well, we can do this anytime. You know, we can break down and get in an RF. I mean, I'm getting ready to go do the Rose Bowl. I do the Rose Bowl every year with, with Jim Stoffo, and that's another one. You want to talk about Winkler? Stoffo. You know, a really good one would be Winkler and Stoffo and um, and, and Dave Missile. That's true. We haven't had Stoffo. Ha- have have, 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 I think he's uh, like episode four. So oh, he was, he was really before early. I was, was pre And even pre Kyle, actually. Pre, yeah. pre me, too. Yep. Yep. That was OG okay, signal. Noise. So, yeah. It'd be so cool I to have, have a, a long table. history with Stafo. We do the Rose Bowl every year. It's it's funny because I used to do the Super Bowl, uh, not every year, but a lot of years with Stafo. And um, but we we keep the Rose Bowl RF gig together. So oh, that's that's, awesome. that's one thing that I still do RF on. It's awesome. We're we're back once again. Post outro, Chris just can't help himself. Uh, he always has to do a little, give a little dessert <laughs> to go home on. All right, Chris, what do you got, man? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, and, and maybe this is just for like NFL films and post stuff, but I know that there's been different iterations of mics and pads. Um, so uh, has that ever been incorporated in broadcast, or is it just in post work? What's uh, what's happening there with the mics and pads? And how how's that work? Yes, and yes, that's called the NFL Enhanced Audio Program that they rolled out. I'm, I'm guessing approximately ten years ago. Um, I was lucky enough to work on that the first couple of years. That is where they, they, the people who do the NFL audio enhanced program work directly for the league and they go in and they actually mic up the pads of the centers. A lot of people didn't know where they were. We, back then we weren't allowed to talk about precisely where they were, but they were on the centers. And and they are in the pads. And we would go into the locker room early that morning. We'd get the center and the backup center for each team. We would wire them. We would have, at that time, we were using Zach's comms because they could be encrypted. Again, we have to stay off of the coach comms. We don't want any kind of interference or anybody hearing what's going on with the chatter. So it could be something different now. But anyway, we would go in and wire those uh, to the pads. And we have what's called a remote on and off switch where we could turn that pack on when the guys would walk back out into the field before play. And we and the little mixer would be sitting up into in the announce booth area. And the only time that the broadcast would get that is when they go to huddle, right? As soon as they break huddle and they walk to the scrimmage line, you're going to hear them talking about you're going to hear the quarterback calling the snaps and until they snap, you're going to hear them making calls and then you're going to hear that disappear. That's coming right from on the, the, the scrimmage line. And then that person who's running the NFL audio enhanced program takes that feed and sends it to the A1. And that's one of the feeds that the A1 gets that's on their board. And they know it's only hot 
when they come out of huddle and it's killed once the ball goes into play. That's cool. And then, and sometimes they do like the players mic'd up stuff, right? And I imagine it's different like networks where they're, they're just kind of micing them up and kind of taking recordings from them. And I mean, that's, um, is that, uh, is that something where do they get to know when those mics are recorded them? That way they know what, what, what they're saying, or you just, you just know that day, Hey, I got to mind my P's and Q's here today. <laughs> it's not being recorded. They, they forget that they have them on, but that's an NFL league <laughs> thing as well. Where And that's in NFL Films. NFL Films is part of the league. So they'll go around to each game and they'll mic various players and just capture what's called uh, sounds of the game. And that's part of the NFL League's side of it. If they decide that they want to use that later in a broadcast or roll that in, they can feed that to the A1s. But typically the things that are (coughs) consistently fed to the A1 from NFL Films side is the – the NFL audio enhanced of the centers during the, the scrimmage line. But yes, awesome. all Thank of those you. things that roll back in later are pre-recorded or they're planted or they're put on them. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I listen to. If I do field work, I'll stand right on that, on the, the, the right beside of the bench. So I can listen to that stuff for real in real time. Cause it's fascinating mm. to me. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> 